Welcome to the official podcast of the Canberra Raiders. So close to the Raiders. And Papali would be an appropriate man to score. He's done it. He's done it. Brought to you by OAC Digital. Come join us as we go behind the limelight. Hello and welcome to Behind the Limelight, thanks to OAC Digital. Round 16 of the NRL sees the Green Machine return home to GIO Stadium to take on the Gold Coast Titans after having a weekend off with the State of Origin buy round, uh, following on from that disappointing loss down there at Wynn Stadium to the Dragons. We'll uh, preview the Titans game, uh, we'll also recap the Dragons game, and we'll be joined by our special guest this week, Raiders CEO Don Ferner, uh, who I'll sit down with one-on-one and discuss a range of issues uh, uh, the club has been facing this year and what the prospects are for the future. Joining me on the podcast, as always, John Croyder and Tom Logan. Uh, good afternoon. Hey, hey, Benny. Uh, plenty happening, boys, this week. Obviously, the big one um, that's kicked things off is all this um, commotion uh, around COVID-19 and the, the restrictions to uh, clubs in Sydney and the implications and flow-on effects uh, to the Raiders uh, and to all the clubs in the NRL. Um, so far, the game against the Titans at the recording of this podcast is going ahead as per normal um, with some restrictions uh, to the playing group in terms of going back into Level 4 Apollo um, the lockdown rules. So uh, looking forward to hopefully getting the, the footy away this weekend without too much drama. Yeah, obviously it's not ideal for the players. You know, they can't leave their house and except for anything other than go to the uh, go to the shopping or go to training and then report back home. But it's first and foremost, it's really good to see the NRL getting on the front foot and putting these uh, measures into place so that there is minimal risk of, I guess, a COVID infection uh, coming into the NRL and jeopardising the rest of the season. That's right. We'll dive into that a little bit now as we go around the horn. Yeah, so John, the big news this week obviously surrounds all of the restrictions, the Level 4 protocols back in play and changes to venues, some games going ahead with no crowds, um, GIO Stadium at this stage going ahead with 100%, so uh, a lot to digest uh, over the past few days. Yeah, a lot to digest and I think as it was last year, things changed by sometimes by the hour, by the day, um, but definitely grateful to be in Canberra when something like this happens. We've been... Um, Pretty well looked after here and um, the situation hasn't gotten too too bad compared to lots of other parts of Australia and the world. So um, hopefully, yeah, 100% capacity for the game against the Titans, which would be great. I know how um, even when there was only, I think it was only 6,000 against the Dragons, the first game back against, um, sorry, the first game back last year when we had fans at GIO Stadium, how big, uh, how noisy they sounded. So no matter how many fans we have at the stadium, it's always going to sound good and it's always good to hear that Viking club. Yeah, four fans at GRO Stadium would be better than none at Campbelltown. Well, we, <laughs> I know we always come back to this on this podcast, but that wasn't a great time, so I'm playing up there. So, look, we're very grateful that we get the opportunity to play at home and I know a lot of work has been going on behind the scenes um, by the ACT government, the NRL, the Raiders, um, to make sure that everything goes ahead relatively smoothly on the weekend. So, look, uh, in the terms of those people who are coming to the game, we just encourage you to um, make sure you continue to follow the Raiders' uh, website and also GIA Stadium's website. They'll provide you with uh, all the information that you need over the upcoming days as we head into the match. Obviously, those people um, from that Greater Sydney area are in lockdown um, as are now people in southeast Queensland, so um, they know that they can't come to the game anyway. But um, you know there'll be a number of uh, measures in place 
uh, ahead of the game this weekend to make sure that it all goes nice and smoothly. Moving on to some news in and around the club. Um, there's been a bit of a re-signing spree this week. We've seen three young up-and-coming stars re-sign with the club. Uh, on Tuesday we had uh, uh, Sebastian Chris and Xavier Savage and then on Wednesday, Sammy Valame. So great news, Tom, uh, to see all of these guys re-signing and committing to the club. Yeah, awesome news. Three really exciting outside backs, a lot of potential. We've seen a lot of Sebastian Chris so far and what he can do. He's shown that he's very he's very strong, obviously, in the centres, but he can also play a bit in the second row. And Xavier Savage has been absolutely killing it since coming into New South Wales Cup. I think he scored five tries in five games. Uh, and Semi Valame as well. We've seen quite a bit from him, and he's only going to get better, and um, he's an exciting young Fijian. Yeah, Mr Yardage. Uh, he's always um, good getting those, <laughs> getting those metres out of our own end. I know it's um, been a fairly disappointing season so far, but I think those young outside backs have been one of the real highlights for us, so it's really good to have mm-hmm. them commit their future to the Raiders and um, for us to be able to have them on board for years to come. There's no doubt the rule changes... Um, have really brought to the fore those players, those big outside backs that come in and, and make plenty of yardage out of your own end because you really need to get your sets off to a good start. And with the six again rule, um, you can build a bit of momentum with those guys, you know, getting in and getting their hands dirty nice and early in the tackle count. So I think it's really um, three really strong re-signings. Um, we all saw what happened with Paul uh, Xavier Savage up there in uh, Wollongong a couple of weeks ago, Tom. He was on and he was off and um, it was a bit of confusion around um, him uh, playing in that match. But um, he's very excited, obviously, about getting the opportunity to move into the top squad next year. Yeah, it feels like a, feels like a lifetime ago <laughs> uh, from that game in Wollongong. But nevertheless, even though it wasn't an official debut, uh, no doubt that that has left him very much determined for more. He, he, it's given him a, it's sort of wet the appetite a bit for him and no doubt Xavier Savage will be wanting to get his official debut, I should say, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. And from all accounts of what we've seen of him coming through SG Ball and obviously New South Wales Cup, it's not too far away. Yeah, I was there um, post-game and John was with me as well and we... Um, he did an interview with a few um, journos after the game, print journos. I wish I had a camera there because it was one of the great all-time debut interviews, wasn't it, John? He was just on fire. It could have went on for three hours. We did. We had to pull it up. And it was like it's really engaging as well. It wasn't. He wasn't just talking. He was saying all these fantastic things just about his background, his sprinting background, which is almost as well known as Damien Cook being a beach <laughs> sprinter now. I think he's almost in that sort of level. Um, but talking about his. Um, original dream to play in the Tokyo Olympics and then um, his mum's sacrifices as well for yep. his um, um, for his rugby league career. So crazy that um, his mum and his sister made the snap decision to fly down for that game. They, mm. they just some, somehow had a feeling that something might happen um, and then they got to see him run onto the field. I mean... That's just amazing. You don't, you just don't plan for those sort of things. But it was great to see. Yeah, that was a pretty nice moment. Even though he got pulled off after about twelve minutes, I think it was. That was still a nice moment to see him walk around the back of the, the field and up down the sideline towards our bench. And obviously, his mum and his sister were there. So that I don't was think really I've ever seen see. a player get dragged from the field with a smile on his face. Normally, yeah. if you're getting dragged <laughs> from the field. Um, you, you're pretty disappointed with the way things are going because you've been hooked. But uh, now he had a big smile on his face, and he, and although we didn't get the win. Um, I think it was a really good experience for him. So mm. um, good luck to him in the future. I'm sure we'll see him in first grade again at some stage. Some big milestones this week, John. Uh, Sam Williams, 100 NRL games. Jordan Rapp and a 150 
50 NRL games and uh, one that's probably slipped under the radar a little bit, Ryan Sutton, 50 NRL uh, and Raiders games as well. Yeah, that's, that's huge. Good to have those three guys making those milestones. Uh, the big one, Sam Williams, so good to see him get to that 100 NRL games. It's been a long, uh, a long time coming and it's well-deserved just for... Uh, it's, it's well known how good of a clubman he is and um, even if he's not in the team, he's... His input um, and his just his smarts around the game as, as well. They're so well valued within the club. So it's great to be able to see him get to 100 NRL games. Yeah, for Sam Williams, um, we we uh, engaged the help from our league historian and guru David Middleton, and he is the fifth longest time in terms of days, like between making your debut and reaching your 100th game. So I think it was 10 years and 200-odd days. Funnily enough, the guy that was in the number four position is the guy that's playing his 150th game this weekend, Jordan Rapiner, who took him um, just over 10 years to reach 100 games as well because he played um, at a young age for the Titans and then he went on the Mormon mission and then moved across to rugby and things like that. So, um, you know, two guys there that have been real stalwarts and real clubmen for the Raiders and uh, just great to see them achieve this milestone in the same game. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's massive effort and both of them have had sort of whirlwind careers. You know, they've probably – it's taken them from, you know, Canberra to – the other side of the world, or in Rapper's case, the Gold Coast. Uh, Japan as well. Japan, Yeah, Japan as well. Yeah, forgot about that. He's come back from a short stint in Japanese rugby, but um, both really good servants uh, to the Canberra Raiders um, and both just fantastic people to have around the dressing room, and I'm, I hope they can hang around for a little bit longer. Yeah, and Ryan Sutton uh, playing his 50th game. John, when he first arrived, um, a lot of people didn't know much about him, myself included. I, I didn't really know much about him at all, but hasn't he developed into um, an NRL player? I mean, he's just a, a fantastic addition to this squad, and he's almost one of the first forwards picked every week now. Yeah, he is. He's just an absolute workhorse, gets through all his work, um, and just does it with minimal fuss and with maximum uh, effort as well. So I think he actually made his debut against the Titans as well back in um, 2019. Did that 20-0 game, that shutout. Yeah, that's right. Was it 21-0 or 20 Yeah, yeah. Was he he named in the original team or did he come in late? I can't remember. He came off the bench. Came off the bench Mm -hmm. in that game. Yeah, so he played with – that was also Chance, Nickel Cookstar and John Bateman's first games at the time. And Corey Horsburgh. Corey Horsburgh. Bailey Simonson too. Yeah, that's oh, right. Course. There was a number of there was a few. there. There was a few in that game. So um, in the pouring rain up there on the Gold Coast, yep. I was there that day. Yep. That was um, absolutely bucketing down for the whole game. So, uh, you know, well done to Ryan Sutton. I mean, we've seen the adversity that he's undergone in his career so far. He, he was so close to being in that grand final team in uh, 2019. He then was ruled out of last year's final series with injury. So, you know, he needs a bit of good luck and we'd love to be able to see him um, go on and achieve good things for the club. Actually, one of the best moments, I think, from last year was in the the Meninga medal that we had to have here and uh, just seeing Ricky get quite a bit emotional when naming him for the coaches award. I thought that was a pretty special moment and I, I, I honestly think Ryan Sutton's developed into almost a bit of a leader here at the club now. He's one of those players that really sets some good standards on the training paddock and never gives anything less than 100% on the field. Good segue into our next uh, point for Around the Horn. And uh, if you're looking for leadership and, and inspiration, then there's none uh, more better than this squad than 
our captain, Jared Croker, who makes his long awaited uh, return uh, in the centres this weekend. Great to see him back out on the field, and I'm sure that his experience and leadership will um, definitely um, be a positive for the team this weekend. That's a massive inclusion for us. Croker just brings so much on and off the field. It's great to see him. Um, back and it's also great to see Sebi. I'm really excited to see because of Croker's inclusion how Seb, Sebastian Chris goes on that right centre position. But nevertheless, we also get the benefit of having um, and no disrespect to Sammy Williams because he's done a great job goal kicking. But Croker obviously coming back into the side uh, gives us that kicking option too. Also, I think um, with Jared, obviously he's had that that is issues with his knee. I was actually um, taking some photos on the field a couple of weeks ago and Jared was sprinting. And he was absolutely rapid. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, this can't be too far away. So I'm really <laughs> excited to see him back into the team. Um, and hopefully he doesn't listen to Jordan Rafana with a captain's challenge. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's, of course, he had dual captains again this week with uh, Jared back um, alongside Elliot Whitehead. All right, we won't talk about this one too long. Round uh, number 15 up there at Wynn Stadium in Wollongong Raiders and the Dragons. And uh, we were all there and uh, the conditions were absolutely crazy. The wind was absolutely howling from the southerly uh, end into the northern end. And um, probably we didn't take advantage of that first half conditions. Uh, went into the sheds, I think, at 12-6. Should have probably been 18-0, but um, we conceded that try and, and probably squandered a couple of little opportunities there. Yeah, it was a little bit disappointing in that regard that we probably didn't make the most of the conditions in that first half. I thought I thought Corey Hadawidanada had a really another strong game. I thought I think he's been probably one of our best in recent weeks. Um, but yeah, just again one of those ones that probably got away from us, and um, in the end we were pretty, you know. I guess unlucky to not come away with the two points. But having said that, if we did come away with the two points, it would have been um, a few question marks over us. But nevertheless, um, we'll put that one behind us and we'll look forward to going out there and getting the win against the Titans. Yeah, you're not wrong about those conditions, though. They were absolutely ridiculous. I had the comfort of the media box during the game, so I was fine <laughs> and I walked out afterwards and um, my lanyard just went and smacked me in the face. Yeah, I copped a few. <laughs> um, so um, it was great being... I think we all really enjoyed being up in that media box during that game. Yeah, no, it was great. I was down on the <laughs> sideline uh, for the game. Uh, the wind was howling. It was freezing, but uh, it actually felt colder than Canberra. We were in Canberra that morning and went up there and actually it was colder. Oh, like, it was so look, much worse in Wollongong. Look, the, Get the, me back to Canberra. The Dragons <laughs> definitely um, took advantage of the conditions in the second half. Ben Hunt, a um, couple of 40-20s, and they just uh, probably played a little bit more professional um, in terms of getting through their sets and, and using those conditions. But having said that... Um, the team was right in the fight um, for the whole entire game, and they went and it went down by the two points. And you know they'll learn a lot out of that performance. Yeah, they'll learn a lot from that performance. And um, you know, up against the Titans this weekend, I feel like when we played the Titans last time, we were able to really hang in there and back out of fence and hold on to a game where we were probably outplayed in patches as well. So if we can take a few of the lessons that we've learned throughout the season uh, into this week. I reckon we'll bounce back. Yeah, we'll uh, preview that game against the Titans shortly, but coming up uh, after this break, we're going to catch up and go one-on-one with Raiders CEO Don Ferner. You're listening to Behind the Limelight, thanks to OAC Digital. Well, welcome back to Behind the Limelight, thanks to OAC Digital. Our special guest on the podcast this week is Raiders CEO Don Ferner. Don, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Ben. Uh, it's It's been a whirlwind first few days uh, with the COVID 
uh, protocol changes and everything going back to uh, where it was when we started the competition last uh, year. How's the uh, the playing group handling it and the and the coaching staff that are affected by it as well? Yeah, look, um, thankfully they're um, they're well um, well versed at, at going through these protocols and they've accepted it. Um, it's sort of almost second nature to them now because they had to go through it for most of last year. So um, their compliance is, has been outstanding last year. Um, and once again, when we had to speak to them and put the, put them in place, they fully realised that they have to comply, and and uh, they just sort of almost like a, a part of training now. They slip it into their routine, and it's just an extra um, extra few steps in their routine um, to make sure we comply. It's for two weeks initially, but you know, obviously, there's the, the chance that, that could be extended based on what's happening in the community. Uh, I'm sure they have a, a very good understanding of, you know, potentially it could go longer than that and they're all um, at ease with that decision? Yeah, I mean, last year it was a lot longer, obviously. It could be longer. Hopefully two weeks will be enough to um, to uh, curtail the, the, the spread and thankfully they've been really, really good in, in, in responding, as have most of the NRL teams and as has Canberra as a city. So and hopefully we can get it under control. We, we've got special exemption this weekend to get... Um, Titans down here and back, and we might have to do the same the following week. Looking at this weekend's game, uh, obviously uh, ACT is one of the few, few venues at the time of recording this podcast that uh, may be able to have 100% capacity. I mean, first of all, that's a great thing, but also there will be a few changes that come along with that this weekend in terms of um, some restrictions that have been put in place. Yeah, look, the ACT government have done a great job in Canberra, um, and uh, that's why we've had low transmissions, and, and that's why we're allowed to have full capacity. Um, there are a few more changes. Obviously, we're encouraging everybody to bring a mask. You do have to wear a mask inside. So if you're in a suite or um, inside the lounge, you have to wear a mask. Um, no ticket sales on the day. That allows us to um, to contact those that have bought online um, who may have be coming from or look, were looking to come from an area that that's a hot spot. So we've had to refund uh, a few of those Sydney fans that were coming down for the game. But it'll be Canberra residents only. So there are a few. Um, restrictions but certainly um, we're lucky that we're allowed to play in front of the fans and hopefully we can get eight nine or ten out there yeah the players um, obviously um, won't be able to interact with the fans uh, at the venue but um, you know they're very appreciative of having a bit of support there because it you know it really helps energize the team no doubt about that those first couple of games last year with zero crowds it was a surreal experience and certainly it was surreal for the players so you know, if we can get eight or nine thousand out there, that still make a hell of a noise, and we've got we've got the best friends, we got the best fans in the business. Um, so um, we hope to see them all out there on Friday on uh, Saturday night at five thirty. Obviously, there's still a few moving parts in terms of what will happen in the coming weeks, but the the possibility of of maybe shifting uh, our round seventeen game against Manly to here is on the table, and also. Or, or might be a case of just us going up there and playing in front of no crowds if, if the lockdown's extended in Sydney. Yeah, so we have to assume that the lockdown will be extended. At this stage, we look like we'll still be going to Brookvale, probably in and out on the day, um, and play in front of um, no crowds at Brookvale at this stage. But again, we're on a watching brief. It could change, um, and we'll certainly let the, let, let the fans and the members know as soon as we know. Yeah. Don, moving on to... 2021 on-field performances and I suppose um, the, the general disappointment that um, has been felt in the in the membership and the and the fans is, is uh, reflected in the playing group and everything here at the club at the moment. It's not where we want it to be. Um, what are we doing to ensure that we can turn things around for this season and beyond that? We're still uh, we're still aiming. Um, I know Rick and the, the coaching staff and, and, and playing staff. We want to make the semis and then. 
you just don't know. You, you pick up the paper today and see, you know, young Nathan Cleary could be injured, so that could curtail their season. It's a really difficult thing to predict, but we want to make the semis. It's uh, We certainly thought we were a top-four side, and we should have been a top-four side this year with the roster that we had, but it's been disappointing, some of the close losses, um, some of the off-field distractions. It's, um, you know, it becomes... Uh, some, sometimes it becomes all-consuming and, and um, we just haven't won those close games that we needed to. Um, so certainly, um, hopefully, Jack and Papa will be right this week and we'll only miss them for one more game and then we've just got to win as many of, of those last couple of games as we can and, and make the semis and then it's a, then it's a, a semi-successful season. Obviously, over the past few weeks, there's been plenty of um, media speculation about the, the club internally and... Um, things that may or not be going on with inside the four walls of the club. You know, from a CEO's perspective, um, how do you sort of deal with all of those uh, issues that, that may arise and, and deal with those and, and speak to those individuals that may or may not be involved in things? Yeah, look, um, losing and winning are the big, are the big um, measurement tools. I mean, if, we, if you're winning, some of the small white noise just doesn't rear its head. It's just the way our sport is, the way sport is. Um, it doesn't affect how we handle things internally. I said at the time um, when there was a lot of off-field noise um, that we're not going to turn on each other. We're not a club that turns on each other or turns on the coach or goes behind someone's back. And, uh, you know, um, some clubs do. We don't. Um, hopefully we're winning more games, but we think we're doing the right thing. So um, we have to make decisions, and some of them aren't well accepted, that it is in the best interest of the club, the fans, the members, the sponsors. Sometimes those decisions aren't um, in tune with an individual's decisions or an individual's view of, of what should happen. And that's just, that's just life. That's just, that's just life in a professional sporting environment. So we're still going in the right direction. We're, we're sure of that. Um, again, winning four or five close games, um, you wouldn't have heard any of that. Yeah. Uh, some positive news, obviously. The re-signing of uh, the young trio of uh, Sebastian Chris, Xavier Savage and Semi Valame. I mean, that's, that's a, an encouraging sign to see those young up-and-coming players wanting to stick with the club. Yeah, we've got a, a great host of young guys, as we always seem to do, and um, you know, we'd like to keep them all. We've, we won the Under-19s Grand Final this year, um, and um, you know, we, we see those guys as a big part of our future. It's great that they wanted to commit to us, as we have committed to them, so they know their future and we know their future, and Rick can plan on that going forward, and... You know, we'll hopefully have some more signing news in the next couple of weeks. We try and do it around halfway through the year, around the buy time. So we've been working hard on that and um, it is positive news and um, we're you know, happy to get it out there. With George Williams um, departing the club, obviously there's a, a position up for grabs uh, in that halfback uh, role. Are you, are you looking at actively recruiting someone for the rest of this season or is it more of a 2022 focus now? Yeah, look, we had a lot of calls and we had offers to take guys for a couple of months. To, to us, it just didn't feel right you know, to take someone for four or five months and then see you later at the end of the year. So you know, we've got Sammy Williams there, we've got Matt Frawley and we've got uh, young Brad Schneider. So we're working with those and um, you know, we'll look around and see who's available for next year. But reality is not many people are off contract, so we'll, we'll forge ahead and, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll bring young Brad through and I spoke to Sammy Williams today, so hopefully he'll go around for another year and, and then we'll, we'll just move from there. Does it, is it a matter of waiting for the right person rather than just trying to get on who's available? Yeah, that's it. and that's why I say we, don't, we will not panic and just grab somebody to fill a spot because it just doesn't work um, and there's been a lot of names thrown at us and you, know, you have to be respectful and 
and say that we considered them and looked at them and maybe spoke to some of them. But the reality is we'll, we'll make what we think is the right call for the club and, and for the dynamics of the roster um, when one becomes available. You had Matt Dufty down here a few weeks ago. Uh, he had a bit of a look around, had a meeting with uh, Ricky Stewart and yourself. Uh, where did things get to with that? Is that still something that could potentially happen? Look, potentially it could. It's, it's unlikely though. Um, I mean, we did let them know that we're, our priority is to look for a half and, and to re-sign our juniors. That's, that's our priority. And, um, but as I said, you still have to explore these things. You still have to consider them and, and, and look to see where they'd fit into your roster. But um, at this stage, we, we're looking for maybe you know, one or two other positions. Yep. Uh, some positive news uh, this season is in the fact that we've you know, once again eclipsed the membership record. I think we're over, just over 23,000 now. In a season where there was so much uncertainty still, it must be really encouraging to see that number you know, on the up. They've been amazing. Um, the crowds this year, the membership... Our sponsorship, and I, we say it internally all the time, you know, we haven't performed like we wanted to. It's still been a disrupted year for, for COVID. Um, and, and the support that we've had, um, I think it, it echoes what we do in the community because you can't always win. And I think we deliver over and above um, in the community. And I think that's reflected by our membership. And, and the, the great job our staff do here in, in keeping the members happy. But thrilled with the membership numbers. Um, you know, be very, very keen for, to retain... Most of those are all of those for, for 22 um, and also to win for them for the, for the back half of this year. Such an important part of the business is to, to stay financially viable. Uh, off the back of the, the big COVID year last year and, you know, the, obviously we've had some minor glitches along uh, the way this year. How, how is the club travelling in that capacity? Yep, we always punch above our weight. I mentioned our sponsors. We've always had fantastic sponsorship and very, very loyal sponsors. We did not lose one, you know, when I said this many times during the COVID year, if you were running a business and a small business, sponsorship wouldn't have been um, your main priority because a lot of other costs come before that. So we were very, very lucky. Um, we retained them um, and increased them again this year. Um, so uh, we're in we're in a good spot. Um, never have had any um, concern for our financial well-being. The, the group is a very strong group, um, and uh, we get great support from the government and, and our licensed club group. So um, you know um, we we're, we're fine. We've got a great facility here. Um, we just, you know, we just love to win some more games for the fans and, and get back into that top four. Well, Don, thanks very much for joining us today. It's great to cover off a number of topics here. I know that the the members and fans appreciate um, being able to hear from yourself and seeing uh, where the club's heading. So, I uh, look forward to um, seeing some more re-signings and, and potential signings in the weeks ahead. We will do. Thanks, Benny. There he is, Raiders CEO Don Ferner. We'll be back shortly with the preview of this week's game between the Raiders and the Titans. Stick around. You're listening to Behind the Limelight, thanks to OAC Digital. There he is, Raiders CEO Don Ferner, giving us some good insight there into what's happening uh, at the club and what could potentially be happening at the future. So great to hear from Don, and uh, we appreciate his time on the program this week. Round 16, GIO Stadium, Raiders v Titans, a must-win game, no doubt about that. The Titans coming off a pretty disappointing second-half performance against Manly, where I think they were up, Tom, 24-6 at the break, and then Manly put 50 points on them or something like that in the second half and absolutely blew them away. So they're going to come down here with a point to prove, and they've got a few players back as well. Yeah, it felt. I, I remember watching that game, and it felt like Manly scored off every set that they got. They just capitulated in that second half. But no doubt they'll be hurting, and also they've had quite a few of their players in uh, the Origin match, so uh, for Queensland, so they'll be hurting quite bad. And 
it's going to be a completely different game uh, to when we played them up there in round four, I think it was, in Cogra. Uh, for me, they're pretty much at full strength, so they're going to be really hard to beat. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough game. They're going to be very physical in the middle. Uh, you know, they've got some returning uh, exciting outside backs. I think Corey Thompson returns and AJ Brimson. So, yeah, it's going to be a real challenge for us. Yeah, I, I worry about guys like AJ Brimson, mm-hmm. uh, Corey Thompson. They've just got that pace. Um, that comes into play. So our edge defence is going to have to be spot on, John, for this one. Oh, yeah, it's definitely going to be spot on. And that's just um, just with the, those new rules, just as we saw with that um, that Manly and Titans game. Like, if you don't have that momentum, um, teams can quickly put points on. So definitely to be solid in that edge defence. I think what you said earlier, just about um, Corey Hardaway tonight being one of our, our better, and we know how better players, and we know how good Elliot Whitehead is, both in attack and in defence. So... Those guys should keep us solid, but we do need to turn up because they've got some really damaging players on those edges like uh, David Fafita and Kevin Proctor. Looking at the Raiders' lineup uh, there, thanks to Specsavers, and uh, obviously the one change to the team this weekend, Jared Croker back in uh, to the side, which means uh, Sebastian Chris will shift from left centre to right and Matty Tomoko will go back as 18th man. So relatively unchanged uh, lineup. We've got Jack... Whiten and Josh Papali'i backing up from State of Origin uh, number two. Obviously, Papa played a, a pretty solid 54 minutes uh, and Jack only the seven or eight minutes off the bench at the end of the game. So Jack will be pretty fresh. Papa, um, sometimes after Origin, um, although he's been named in the front row, has then come from the interchange bench. Do we think that might be a possibility this weekend or do you think he'll want to get out there and start the game? I, I reckon he'll actually start from the bench. That's just, that's just my gut feeling. Like he's, I think he... Um, Start, did he start off the bench for that famous uh, Foggy rundown as well? Um, so I, I think he'll come off the bench because you've got someone like Joe Tarpanay who's, um, who's named on the bench. I think it's just a straight swap personally, but obviously now I've said that, I'll probably be completely wrong. Well, they, play, they all play, you know, whether you play in the front row or lock forward position, it's all that middle portion of the field. So, um, you know, starting the game with, with Tarpany and, and Papa on the bench, it really gives you Sutton... He would just naturally push into the front row, I suppose, and, and Tarpany would play lock. But or Sia, yeah. Yeah, or Sia Soliola. So there's an Emre Gula. There's, mm. like, plenty of options there. Um, so, look, it, it'll all come down to how Josh is feeling. I'm sure that he'll get together with the forward group, as they always do, and make a decision on, on what he does there. But there's no doubt that um, he's returning to form. In a really well-beaten team the other night, I thought he was one of the shining lights for Queensland. He was really strong for them, particularly in that opening sort of 20 minutes. Yeah, you could really tell he was trying to get the go forward going for them and um, it just didn't obviously work out. I'm not going to point fingers at where it went wrong for the Maroons. I think the Blues were just simply too good. But yeah, no, Papa was, I thought, was probably one of their better players. Definitely missed him when he was off. I think that's when we started. Mm. I'll say we. Um, uh, definitely New South Wales. It's got to clarify. Definitely New South Wales here. Um, but I think that's really when we started putting on those points uh, was when um, Papa was off the field mm. for the Maroons. Yeah, talk around that Nathan Cleary could be out for game three um, and possibly the season. So Jack Whiten uh, is an outside chance of you know getting an opportunity to start in State of Origin number three if he puts in a really strong performance this weekend and puts his hand up and says, I'm the man to take over from Nathan in game three. So he'll be out to, point, uh, to make a point as well. And he'll be pretty fresh too, Jack. He probably hasn't seen a, a huge amount of football over the last month. Obviously, the two Origin games, he's only played probably combined 20 minutes from the two games. Um, so no doubt Jack will be pretty eager to 
you know, get out there and play some good footy. We saw what sort of spirits he was in after he came back from that um, game one win as well. Like, he really mm. brought that enthusiasm and excitement into the Raiders camp. So, I think that's going to be something that's going to be slightly underlooked as well. Did, did, we, did we play the Broncos that weekend? I think when he came back from Origin 1? Because he was... I remember when he, he rocked up to captain's run and he was just so infectious with his just, you know, he was just laughing and you can hear, you can hear him down the other end of the building with, with that iconic laugh of his. <laughs> you know, the, I'm not going to try and impersonate it, but he's, yeah, really, I felt like it, that really made a pretty big difference to the team. Yeah, let's have a look at the matchups uh, for this game. Uh, John, you've gone for Joe Tarpany and Tino Fasua Malaawi. Um, tell us about what you like about that one. Yeah, I think they're just both very similar plays in terms of their, their build and their skill set. I thought uh, Tino was absolutely fantastic against us in round four. I thought he was um, – I think he played 80 minutes that game for, for the Titans. I thought he's had a bit of a quiet origin series. He hasn't um, performed to the level I thought – well, that we all know he's capable of. So I think he's going to be out to prove a point. I feel like Tarpanay last week, I thought he was – sorry, not last week, a couple of weeks ago against the Dragons, I thought he was really good. He scored that try early in the second half. Even um, even against um, the Knights before he got injured, he's just such a damaging player and he's got such a unique skill set for a big, tall forward. So I think those two, very similar players and could be a key matchup. They actually kind of even look pretty similar. they got the same sort of hairstyle. <laughs> I swear I was watching Origin the other night and I was like, is that Taps running out in a maroon? <laughs> same haircut. Tom, you've gone for the battle of the fullbacks. Bailey Simonson gets his third... Game straight uh, in the number one jersey up against AJ Brimson coming back from injury. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for this one. This one has a bit of a. Uh, I think Bailey uh, Bailey's been really good for us in the two games he's played in fullback, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how he goes and backs that up in his third game. And obviously, it's a big test coming up against one of the better fullbacks in the comp in AJ Brimson. So um, this is going to be a, a big test, but hopefully Bailey can make some good yardage coming out of Aaron because I felt like that when he did that, we were really strong. I think we did that against the Broncos and that went a long way to us getting the win against them a few weeks back. Yeah, I've gone for Josh Hodgson up against uh, Aaron Clark, who obviously was in the Raiders system for a little bit and uh, he's obviously you know really taken uh, his opportunity up there at the Gold Coast with two hands. Uh, and Josh Hodgson, I think, um, over the past sort of two games, even though we didn't get the win against the Dragons, I, I feel that his influence and the way that he's been able to control the game has been such an important thing for us. So I think he'll be um, another big part of a, a potential win this weekend. Yeah, looking forward to that battle. It's, first and foremost, it, it's, I mean, we were both, we were obviously all here when Aaron was in the system and it's great to see that he's, you know, kicked on and made a bit of a career for himself at the Titans. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the 80 minutes. You know, do we see Hodjo move in, eventually move into Locke and Stalo come up? Um, and the same for Aaron Clark. Will he play the full 80 minutes? Uh, it's going to be a good, a good battle. All right, podcast prediction time. Last week, um, no uh, points for anyone. Uh, you went for uh, Bailey Simonson, Tom. Um, Matt Tomoko um, went for Bailey Simonson for two tries, so he doubled down but um, didn't get the result. Uh, and I went for Papa to crash over close to the post. And uh, as you mentioned before, it was Joe Tarpany who got that similar style try. So 
no points there. You guys still lead um, by one and a half points. Uh, I can't believe we're 16 rounds in and I've got one <laughs> and a half points. So going well for me. Uh, the players also one and a half points. Tom, today you'll be representing yourself and John. And John, you'll be re- representing the players since we don't have one of the boys on this week. Uh, Tom, what have you got for your prediction? I'm going to double down. I've just got a feeling Semi Valame, after re-signing with the club earlier this week, I think he's going to score two tries. Double down on what? You didn't pick him last week. You had Bailey Simonson. I was in like two, oh, okay. two tries, two points. Right, okay. Can there we, we count that? No, just the two tries will get oh. you one point. So you go for a Semi Valame double. John? Okay, I'm going for our try-scoring machine, Corey Hutterwitt and Nida. I think he's going to... I think he's going to score a try this weekend. He has been very good at scoring tries, and not just barge overs as well. He Runs seems to score lines. them from Ten yeah run running a line, line. And, and scores them from 20, 30 out. So that, uh, I'm going to go, uh, and I'm going to back it up and follow up with my uh, matchup. I think Josh Hodgson's influence on this game will be very strong, and I'm going to back him for two try assists this weekend. So whether it's from a little grubber or a little short ball, uh, I think Hodjo can set up a couple of meat pies for the Raiders uh, on Saturday afternoon. That's all we've got time for, guys. Uh, Thanks for joining us uh, this week, and uh, let's hope that um, everything can run smoothly and we can get a good crowd out there on Saturday night. Keen for it. There it is, uh, behind the limelight. Thanks to OAC Digital. We'll catch you next week.